Hello church, our scripture reading for today is Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And we are excited. Uh, it's Advent season. Uh, this past week, uh, Pastor Daniel opened our, our series up just talking about what Advent is and why it matters. And Advent's all about Jesus. That when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about Advent, we're not just talking about the pursuit of a thing, but we're talking about the pursuit of, of someone, a king, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we're so excited uh, to be diving into the book of Matthew. And, and like Lenny said, we're actually going to be in the book of Matthew, the majority of 2021. Uh, but we get to start here talking about the Christmas story. And I'm so thankful that we get to do that. And just as a reminder to you who are here tonight or those who are watching online or listening online, there's all kinds of resources that are available for you. There's a daily reading plan. There's resources for your families. You disciple your kids through the FDP. Uh, there's some Advent devotionals and other reading resources that you can use as well. We just want to encourage you during this season, and this Christmas season looks different than probably any, any of us have ever experienced before, uh, to prioritize and set time aside to make Jesus the most important thing in your home and in your lives. And so that's our prayer this season. So what we're going to do is we get to look at this beautiful passage in Matthew that we just had read for us, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And so if you didn't grab one of the, the communion K-cups, feel free at any, any time in the service to do that, and we're going to get to do that later on. So uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity for us to be able to look at God's word together. And the theme, one of the themes that are key in this passage, and it's an important theme for what we're walking through right now as, as a world, as a country, as a culture, as we're going through COVID-19, is this idea of trust. And I won't ask for a show of hands, but I, I would assume that most of us uh, know what it's like to have someone in your life at some point that you didn't quite trust. Anybody ever have that happen? Somebody said something or invited you into something that you weren't quite sure about. Maybe you chose to distrust them. Uh, I, I have this feeling rise up in me anytime any of my boys, any three of them come up to say, hey, dad, come smell my hand. You know, come up, come smell this. I know not to trust them. No, it's awesome. You, you need to, no, I'm not going to do that. Like I've been down that road. I know what's there. We're not going to do that. 
and, and so we, we all know what it's like to have someone or something in our lives that we're not quite sure that they're on the up and up, whether or not they are worthy of our trust, whether or not they are trustworthy. And the reason why I bring that up, because this is, this is one of the main tensions in this text, and it's a tension that we're wrestling through as Jesus followers in today's world where we're facing this pandemic. And this is how it looks, is, is God trustworthy in the middle of all the difficulty that's happening around us? With what we're having to walk through in our lives and our families, how do we trust God? Can we trust God? What does it look like to trust God when it seems like life is all over the place? How do we do that? COVID's forced us to wrestle with this. And so this brings out our big truth that we're really gonna unpack over the next few minutes together, and that's this, Jesus followers trust the king. So in a season of life where we're wrestling with trust, in light of all the things that are going around us and they're hard to make sense and what do we do with it and why would God bring us into it and what's he trying to do in the middle of it, we're wrestled with this reality that Jesus followers are called to trust the king. In fact, this is one of the primary things of what it means to be a Jesus follower. In the Old Testament, it uses the language of trust. In the New Testament, the language changes a little bit to words like faith and believe. But, but this concept is all throughout scripture that if we are going to follow God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, that we have to trust the king. Let me just give you a few uh, examples from scripture where we see this big truth played out. One is Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, which many of us have memorized growing up. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is a call to trust our king. Hebrews eleven six uses the same idea through the language of faith. It says, and without faith or trust, belief, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please God, to honor him, to follow him, to love him without trusting in him, without having faith, without believing him. The apostle Paul in Romans 1.17 said, for in it, talking about the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so if we are going to follow the king, we have to trust the king. And that's easy to say, let's just be honest, that's a lot harder to do, especially when it feels like life is up in the air and things don't make sense. How do we trust the king? And again, for some of you in this room or for some of you watching or listening to this, you might even be wrestling or have been wrestling with this question, a different question. Can I trust this king? If God would allow these things to happen, if God is in control, if he is sovereign, if he's in charge of everything and his purposes are going to be played out and we're in the middle of one of the hardest if not the hardest years that many of us have ever walked through and all the things that have happened in our world and our country can we trust this god what do we do with that how do we respond to that thankfully 
this passage that we read, uh, heard read just a few minutes ago and that we're gonna walk through, it speaks to this idea. This is what the story of Joseph, this narrative about the angel appearing to Joseph and Joseph becoming uh, the, the earthly father of Jesus is all about. Is Joseph willing to trust the king? And so this is the narrative that we're gonna look at in our time together. And I just wanna encourage you, I'll, I'll just take an aside just to pause for a second. For those of you who, who have kids in your home, have teenagers in your home, and, and you've used the FDP, you're thinking about using the FDP family discipleship plan and all the resources are there, this is kind of how the family discipleship plan works. It gives you a truth, gives you some verses to anchor in, but then it gives you a narrative, it gives you a story, it gives you a passage to be able to walk through that brings out those truths, and that's what we're doing. We're looking at this text in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, looking at how this truth about trust plays itself out in the story of Jesus' birth. So can we trust the king? How do we trust the king? This is Joseph's story, just in a summary statement. The woman that I'm committed to be married to is pregnant. I know I'm not the father, what do I do? That's the context, that's, that's the story that we see unraveling before us in the first few verses. Let's look back at verse 18 if you have your Bible open. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, promised to be married to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her, not put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, I'll just pause there for a second because I want to give a little context and explanation for what's going on uh, because we're not a Jewish audience. So the Gospel of Matthew is written primarily to a Jewish audience. That's why in the first 17 verses it chases all these lineages and genealogies that are there because the people who were reading it would have known these names. They would have known this context. And this idea of betrothal that we see here, it, it's like our Western understanding of engagement except max to 10. So in our culture, when you become engaged to someone, during that time between the engagement and marriage, if one of you chooses to break it off, it's over, it's no big deal. But that's not the way it happened in Jewish culture. When you became betrothed or engaged, you were committed, you were promised, you were in that relationship. There was no getting out of it other than divorce. So it was like being married before the ceremony takes place. And so through that lens, we understand that when Joseph realizes that Mary is, is pregnant, he doesn't understand why or understand how, you can see the tense situation that's there. And so it says because he was a good man, a just man, he decided instead of putting her to public shame to try to divorce her quietly in order not to, to shame her. So this is the context, this is what's happening in, in Joseph's life. And now Joseph has a plan. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to honor Mary. I'm gonna try to take care of her the best way I can. I'm gonna try to make sure she doesn't receive shame, that she's not uh, put to death or executed because of what's happened. We're just gonna kind of deal with this quietly. So that's Joseph's plan. Then in verses 20 through 23, we see God's plan. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fill the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We just sang about. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. So I want you to see what's happening in the story. We see the context. We see Joseph's plan. He's going to divorce her. He's going to take care of it quietly. He's going to uh, not make a big deal out of it, which I'll just aside. This is free. This is not part of where we're going this morning. I, I just would encourage or challenge us. So we live in a culture of outrage when someone wrongs us or does something we don't like. The first thing we do is to usually choose not to be quiet about it. We go to social media, we go public, we make it big, we make it loud because we want people to know that we've been wronged, right? And it says, Joseph, who's a just man, would, a just man would not respond that way. So I just wanna speak again to our context, brothers and sisters in Christ, we should not slander people online. We should not hold people out to dry online. That's not the way of Christ. That's just a side, so we'll leave it, keep going on. So Joseph has a plan. His plan is, I'm gonna take care of Mary, but then God intervenes, this angel, and says, no, there's a different plan. Here's what's happened. And I want you to see Joseph's response. Joseph's response is obedience, trust. So this brings us back to our big truth. Jesus' followers trust the king which causes us to, to wrestle through, and this is what I want us to do in the time that we have left this morning, is wrestle to two really important questions. The first question is this. Why should we trust the king? Why should we trust the king? If Jesus' followers are to trust the king, why should we trust the king? Is it just a blind thing that we're supposed to do? Why should we trust the king? How do we know if the king is trustworthy? And a second really important question is, how do we trust the king? So again, a lot of us are walking through circumstances that we've never faced before in our lives. Some of you are going through some incredibly difficult things that you're not sure how to trust God and follow him faithfully with what you're faced. How do you do that? What does that look like? And I think there's so many implications from this passage that helps us to answer both of those two questions. So let's just tackle the first one. Why should we trust the king? Is the king trustworthy? Can we believe him? Why should we trust him? Let me give you several big ideas we see in this text. The first one is this. Why should we trust the king? We trust the king because he is God and we are not. This is really the crux of the issue when it comes to trust, when it comes to faith, when it comes to belief. Do we believe that God is God? If he is God and he is sovereign, he is control and he is good and he is over all things, then we should trust him because he is God and we are not. And we see this in this text as well. If you look at verse 20, the angel appears to Joseph and he says, fear not to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. So this angel is not just there on his own behalf. The angel's there because God has sent him. And this whole thing that's taking place is 
because of God's design plan. It's because of what God is doing. So in effect, what the angel is saying is, Joseph, what's happening in Mary's life, in your life, is a part of God's plan. He is the author. He is the one who's working. He is the one who's brought all this about and brought you into this story. He is God. This is a work of God. So I don't want us just to blow by this too quickly. This is important. We have to wrestle with this. We can trust the king because he is God and because we are not. Do we really believe that God is who he says he is? If God is infinitely wise, holy, and good, then we should trust him. To not trust God is to believe that he's not trustworthy to doubt his goodness, to doubt his character. And this is what happens in the garden. If we remember back to Genesis chapter three, did God really say, this is the, the great temptation, the great lie. Can we really trust God? Is God really good? Does God really have your best interest and my best interest in mind? Is he really working a story and a purpose that is perfect and good and wise and that we should be a part of? Or is he holding out on us? Is he deceiving us? And so we can never trust the king until we really do believe and wrestle with that he is the king. We can trust the king because he is God and we are not. Romans 9, 20 speaks to this. He says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? What is molded will say to its molder, have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel honorable and the other for dishonorable use? He's saying, we're not the potter, we're just the clay. If God is in charge, if God is God, we can trust him because he is God. And so for some of you tonight who might be in this room or might be listening to this, I just wanna encourage you, if you're wrestling through whether or not you can trust God with what he's doing in your life, really the question you're wrestling with is not can you trust God with what's happening in your life, the question you need to wrestle with is can you trust God? Is God trustworthy? Is he who he says he is? And if he is who he says he is, if he does what this word tells us he can do, he is worthy of our trust in everything that happens in our life, in the good and in the bad, in the hard and in the easy. Do you believe that he is God? We trust the king because he is God and we are not. Second big idea, why should we trust the king? We trust the king because his purposes are for his glory and are good. Second reason why we trust the king as Jesus followers is because God's purposes are for his glory and are good. Look at verse 22. It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see in this text the picture that all of what's happening in Joseph and Mary's life is a part of God's bigger plan. That everything's playing out according to his purposes. In fact, that's what Matthew 1 through 17 and all those difficult names, that's, that's why it's there. It's showing that throughout the history and throughout the course of time that everything is working out the way that God promised it would. That God promised to Abraham that through him there would be a great nation that would be his people. 
that God promised that through King David that there would be a son that would sit on an everlasting throne. That God promised during the exile that there would be one who is the son of man and yet also the ancient of days. That God promised through the prophet Isaiah that a virgin would conceive and bear a son and he would be God with us. And so we can trust God what's happening in our lives today because we can look at God's word and see that everything that is happening is happening for his glory and in fact for our, our good. To make us more like Christ, to help us trust in Christ. We know Romans 8, 28, we like to quote it a lot, and it's an important passage with this idea. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. It's really important that when we read that verse, we read it correctly. It doesn't say that we know all things that God does in our lives will be good to us, right? but that all things that he works, he will work for our good. And so we can trust him, even when we're walking through things in our life that are not good things. This past week, we got the news of a former member in our church who's a dearly loved member, uh, an elder, that his wife passed away from cancer. Not a good thing in our minds. Not the way we would have written the story. Not what we would want for her three girls. But we as the people of God, we look at that. And we look knowing that even though we would not write that plan, we look at God's bigger purposes and God's bigger plan. And we're able to say, we trust you. We trust you. Because his purposes are for his glory and our good. Third reason why we can trust God we trust the king because God has come to be with us. So we trust the king because he's God and we are not. We trust the king because his purposes are for his glory and for our good. But third, we trust the king because God has come to be with us. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. and They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That he's not just a far distant God. He's not just a being up in the heavens. But that God has made a way to come and be with us. By sending his son Jesus to take on flesh. This is the incarnation. God becoming man. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as only the son of the father. Full of grace and truth. That not only we see his incarnation, we see his condescension. That, that God didn't just become a man and live in a castle somewhere and, and have armies. But he became like us. That he was tempted like we are. And he lived the life like we live. And he, he came in a lowly way. Hebrews 2 says this. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers, talking about us in every respect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. To make a payment, propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Amen? That's good news. God has come to be with us. God has come to dwell with us. And so we can trust him because he has entered into our experience. He has entered into our world. He has entered into the things that you face and the struggles you face and the temptations that I face. He has entered into our existence. He's not a God who is far away, but a God who is near. 
so we can trust him. And the fourth reason why we can trust the king is we can trust the king because Jesus came to save us from our sin. Look at verse 21. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, the one who saves. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. If you're looking for a reason to know, is God trustworthy or is he not trustworthy? Can I trust him? Can I not trust him? The answer is the cross. That is the final answer, that the God who would send his own son to die on behalf of rebel sinners like you and me to shed his blood, his body be broken, as we're about to celebrate in a few minutes, is the reason why he is trustworthy. Who would die for their enemies? Who would look at the people who have looked at him and said, we do not trust you, we reject you, and would lay down their life for him? Someone who is worthy of our trust. Someone who is worthy of our devotion. Someone who is worthy of our lives. And this is the king that we follow. This is the God that we praise. And as we take the Lord's Supper in a few minutes and we take of the cup and we take of the bread, it's a reminder to us that God's trustworthy. That his plan, his purposes, that they are with meaning. And so while we may not understand what we walk through and face in this life, we can trust our God. He made a way to save us by sending his son. So why should we trust the king? I've given you four very quick reasons. So let me just speak to the second question for a few moments. How do we trust the king? How do we trust the king? Some of you are here, you're listening to this and you're saying, okay, Paul, I believe all those things. You, you don't have to convince me. I'm there. I believe he's God. I believe he's good. He's got a purpose. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad he came to live with us. I'm thankful he died in my place. I, I believe those things. But I'm just struggling to trust him with what's going on in my life right now. I'm struggling to trust him with my job, with my marriage, with my kids with my fear and anxiety, with my depression. How do I trust him? What, what does that look like? Let me just give you four quick big ideas from this passage that I think help us walk in trust. Number one is this. We have, how do we trust the king? One, trust is the choice to believe in the absence of understanding. Trust is a choice to believe in the absence of understanding. We see this in the story of Joseph. He doesn't understand what's going on. Even in verse 20, as he considered these things, it says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but if an angel shows up and talks to me and says that someone has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, that is something I don't understand. And I have seminary degrees and I've been a Christian for a long time. I still don't understand how that works. Joseph didn't understand. And trust is often in our lives when we are called to trust God with whatever he places in our path, a lot of times we're not gonna understand why. 
We're not gonna understand why we're in it, why me, why this situation, why it's happened the way it's happened, could I have changed it? A lot of times we're just not gonna know the answer why. And trust is choosing to believe, to walk in faith, even when we don't understand. This is what God has called Joseph to. And we understand how this works. Parents, how many times have you had your children Have you told your children to do something and they said the word why and you answered because I said so or just trust me? Because a lot of times we recognize our kids don't understand all the implications of the things that we're asking them to do. When my kids ask me, why do I have to know math or why do I have to have handwriting? I may not even know the answer to that, but I know it's important and they need to do it and it's going to help them in some way, right? And so just like a loving parent would would encourage their child, just trust me, I I know more than you know. I know these things are gonna help you. You may not understand. When we are called to follow God and to walk in trust in the things he placed in our life, we have to recognize that trust means walking the things we don't understand. The obedience that God calls Joseph to, God does not explain everything to him. That's important, brothers and sisters. If you're waiting to be able to understand all the whys, then you're not walking in trust. And yes, we should look to God's word, we should pray, we should try to understand, but choosing to trust often is choosing just to walk in obedience based on what God has told us and called us to. So how do we trust the king? What does that look like? It's a choice to believe, even in the absence of understanding. Second, trust is an act of dependence. Trust is an act of dependence. I love the words in verse 20. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, love these words, do not fear. One of the most common commands found in the Old Testament and the New Testament are these words. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Trust is a choice to depend on God, to rest in God, to cling to God. We were uh, at, the, at the beach this past September. We got to take the family and go out in the ocean. And my youngest son, Trip, he's four and he's like that tall and he can't swim yet. And he's deathly afraid of the ocean. Doesn't want to go out in the ocean. So me, as an awesome, loving father, I grab him and carry him out. We're going, we're doing this. And he's screaming and wanting to go back and calling for his mother and I'm not looking at his mother because we're doing this. You know, we're gonna go have some male bonding time and we go out in the ocean. And I promise you, he hated every moment of it. He did not wanna be out there. But guess what he did once we got out in the ocean? Grabbed a hold of me and he did not let go. He didn't like where I was taking him and he didn't like what was going on, but he knew I was the only one that was gonna protect him in that moment. And trust looks like that. God, I don't know why I'm in the waves. I'm in over my head. I can't swim. I can't get out of this. God is saying, depend on me. Trust me. Rest in me. You may not have the answers. It might be too much for you. You might not have it all figured out. Rest in me. And this is what Joseph has to do. He has to rest in God. He has to depend on him. It says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. This decision by Joseph to trust God, to walk in obedience, we need to understand that the weight of this decision, this decision by Joseph is a decision to walk in dependence. 
it comes with very few answers. God doesn't tell why. He just says, this is gonna be the savior. He's gonna take his sins away of the people. Call his name Jesus. Take Mary to be your wife. He doesn't give all the backstory. He doesn't say everything that's gonna happen in Jesus' life. He doesn't explain everything. And this choice by Joseph to obey is an act of dependence. The outside world's not gonna understand Joseph's story. In fact, even when you think about it, we understand Joseph, we celebrate Mary and Joseph, but Joseph lived, he raised Jesus alongside Mary, he died, and no one in his sphere of life ever understood why he would take Mary to be his wife. He's never vindicated. And we know that people looked at their lives with suspect that even when you read John chapter eight, when the Pharisees are addressing Jesus, they said, we don't know who your father is, but one thing we do know is that none of us were born out of sexual immorality. Everybody knew and no one believed that this story was true. And Joseph had a chance to distance himself from it, to keep his reputation clean. But instead he chose to depend on God, to trust in God, even with what he couldn't see. Do you, do I, do we trust the king? Trust is an act of dependence. Third, trust leads to obedience. True trust, true faith, it leads to obedience. Look at verse 24 and 25. So he, he's having a dream, this dream encounter with an angel. He wakes up. I'm just gonna be honest. I mean, I, I'm not in that situation, but if it was in a dream, I would question a lot of things about the dream. But what does Joseph do? When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He obeys. He walks in obedience right away. He took Mary as his wife. He knew her not, which means he was saving himself, not taking care of himself, taking care of her, honoring God. And he called his name Jesus. Think about how important it is to get to name your own children. That's a big thing in our culture. In their culture, that is one of the most important parts of having children is to be able to name your own child. But Joseph, he lays all that down in obedience to God's command. Friends, this is important. Faith and obedience are two sides of the same coin. Trust and obedience. You don't have faith, you don't have trust without obedience. Greater trust and faith lead to more obedience. Disobedience cannot happen with trust. We can't say that we believe God, that we wanna walk in faith, that we trust him if we will not obey him. We can't look at the things that God has clearly called us to in this book, in this word, and say, no, that's not for me, or I'm not gonna pursue that, I'm not gonna read that, I'm not gonna obey that, I'm not gonna share the gospel with that person. I'm not gonna treat that person that way because they've hurt me so bad they don't deserve my forgiveness. We can't walk in disobedience and trust the king. Trusting the king means obeying God's word, walking in full obedience, full surrender to the king. Which leads to the last big idea. How do we trust the king? What does it look like? Fourthly, trust is an act of repentance. It's an act of repentance. See, repentance means you're going one way and you change directions and go the other way. When we look at verse 19, Joseph has a plan. 
I'm gonna put Mary away. I'm gonna do it quietly. I'm gonna divorce her quietly. I'm gonna be honorable and just, and I'm gonna keep myself clean from whatever's happening here. But then when we get to verse 24, we see Joseph has now gotten a new revelation, which we have God's word, his revelation. We have everything we need right here, but he's gotten God's word, God's perspective on the matter. And what does Joseph do? He turns and goes the other way. A lot of times in our lives, in our world, we have in our mind what we think is right, what we think is best, what we think is true. But when we compare that to God's word, whenever God's word says, go a different direction, Trusting the king means we go with the king. We don't go with culture. We don't go with popular opinion. We don't go with our heart and what feels right in this moment, even though we think that this is the right thing we should do and it doesn't make sense to forgive or go another way or to pour ourselves out anymore or to share to that person. No, we walk in obedience to this word because the king is trustworthy and the king is good. And whatever the king calls you to and calls me to, trust him in no matter how hard, how great, how difficult, how costly, we walk in obedience and repentance because he is worthy. And the place where we see that played out most clearly is the cross. The Lord's Supper is a reminder that Jesus is trustworthy. We can trust him. That the one who did not spare his own son, how will he not also freely give us all things? We say, count it all joy when we go through trials because we know that the testing of our faith, it produces patience and steadfastness. So we let it have its work in our lives for the glory of our King. And so as we come to the time of response, let us invite the the team to come up and, and join me and they're gonna lead us in worship. We are gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper together.